Man, I think like half our church is on vacation right now. I know that my wife and Brenda are both out of town right now, so Anthony and I have got the kids, so pray for them. Um, they're still alive, I believe. I, I dropped them off at my mother's house yesterday, and so uh, I think they're still alive. Anyway, I am happy to be here with you this morning. Uh, we have been in the midst of a series called Loving Our Neighbor, or How to Neighbor, over the course of the last two months. And really the focus of this series has been how can we fulfill the greatest commandments, both to love the Lord our God with all of our everything, and love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And how can we love those people that we have been placed into proximity with? This week, I want to focus on something that, as as Ken has already implied, Uh, is social media. This is something that has become a central component of how we do life with people, how we connect with people. And it's unbelievable to consider just how central to our lives it's been from Facebook to Twitter to um, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube. All of these different social media platforms are central in our lives. I mean, consider the fact that 96% of millennials are on social media. And something like more than 70% of adults that are, are over the age of 21 are on social media. YouTube is the second greatest um, search platform in existence, second only to Google. I didn't know that until I looked that up. Um, If... Let's see, if um, Facebook were a nation, two years ago it would have been the second largest nation behind only China with 1.3 billion people. Today, two years later, Facebook is the largest nation in the world with 1.65 billion people going on every month. Kind of crazy. And here's the craziest part about it. They've only been around for 10 years. Back in 2004, Facebook was launched, but it was only for people in Harvard. Two years later, it was made public so that everybody could be on Facebook. Today, 1.65 billion people. Things like Instagram and Twitter were nowhere 10 years ago. Today, if Instagram were a nation, it would be the third largest nation in the world, second, or behind only China and India in terms of population. These are, we as Americans, on average, spend three hours of every day on social media. And people like Cheryl, who don't use social media at all, bring that down for the rest of us. Robin, I'm talking to you. I, I'm just playing. Okay, that's, that's going to come back to bite me. Um, kids, people who are under the year, age of 20, that number jumps to about four hours a day. On social media alone, that is not including playing Pokemon or other games. That is not including watching television or or texting. Solely going on social media platforms. Four hours a day. It is a central component of our lives. And yet, I mean, it's, it's wonderful. Think of the way that it has flattened the world so that I can interact with my brother Joe who lives in Taiwan. And although we are separated by an ocean, although we are separated by time zones, I can know what's going on with his family, the things that are going on with his work. I can interact with him 
regular basis. It's a wonderful thing. Think of the, the good things that have come from social media, the way that we can share with family and friends. And Cheryl was just reminding me of the time when Grayson was born prematurely and through that season how I was able to kind of let people know what was going on without having to explain it to every person I talked with. Or we think about the Arab Spring uprisings a couple years ago where social media was instrumental in helping entire nations begin to talk about the the inequalities that they were seeing in their country and then begin to plan public protests that ultimately led to the toppling of governments. So social media has a very central component in our culture, and yet I feel like sometimes we're a little bit like that that quote from Jeff Goldblum in, in Jurassic Park so fits us, where he says, you know, you guys have become so enamored with what you could do that you never really stop to ask yourself whether you should do it. We've never stepped back and said, hey, these things that it allows us to do, should we do those things? How am I approaching social media? Especially considering the fact that I am a a son or a daughter of Jesus Christ, washed by his blood, called to be his ambassador. How should we as Christ followers approach social media? That's the question I want to wrestle with today. And I will tell you up front, I'm not going to stand up here and say you should just wash your hands of it. That's too easy. And in reality, I don't think that's the answer. What I want us to ask ourselves is how should we approach these social platforms, this, this new way of connecting with people when we wouldn't be able to connect with them in regular life? And I have six questions. Last week we looked at three lenses to, to view the election. Today we're going to look at, at six different questions. These are not questions where I'm trying to yell at you or trying to accuse you of anything. The whole point of these questions is simply to give us a lens to look at ourselves and our interaction with social media and say, what do I need to see? My hope would be at the end of this conversation this morning, you'd each be able to step back and use those six questions to assess your own interaction with social media. Fair enough? All right, let's dive in. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. The first question that we're going to look at this morning is am I honoring God and loving my neighbor through my use of social media? Am I honoring God and loving my neighbor through my use of social media? The gospel message declares that Jesus died for us. Why? He died for us in part to save us from our sins, right? So that we wouldn't be marked by them and separated from God for eternity. He saved us from the effects of our sins so that we could have relationship with God, be reconciled to him. But that's not the only reason he died for us. He also died in order to save us to something. And I would suggest a huge part of what he saved us to was to be exactly what he created us to be his representatives in creation, his representatives to people who do not know him, people who do not bend a knee to him. We get to be his ambassadors because we come into contact with people who would never step foot into church to listen to me, whether it be in your neighborhoods and so forth. 
So the question becomes, how are we on social media representing God? And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 23, Paul talks about the fact that there are some people who are saying, hey, listen, I'm free in Christ. Because of what he's done on the cross, I am no longer defined by sin, so I can live any way that I want, because quite honestly... I don't have to climb some ladder of rules to be declared righteous. Jesus declares me righteous through the cross. Amen to that. However, Paul begins to speak to that mindset. In verse 23, he says, and he's kind of quoting them at first. He says, well, I have a right to do everything. Okay, you might say that, but not everything is beneficial. I have a right to do everything. Yeah, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. And then he goes into a conversation about meat sacrificed to idols because in that day and age, it was a massive question of that society. But it's not one that we wrestle with as much. So jump down to verse 31. He then says this So whether you eat or you drink or whatever else you do, do it all for the glory of who? Of God. Whether you eat, whether you drink, whether you watch rated R movies, whether you dance, whether you go on social media, regardless of what you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews or Greeks, those who don't know God, or the church of God. Even as I try to please everyone in every way, I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Paul's recognition was that we're called to be ambassadors of hope to a world that is hurting, to a world that needs hope. And the question I want us to consider this morning, the first question, is when it comes to our social media Are we living as ambassadors? Are we honoring God and loving our neighbors through the way that we interact there? When somebody friends us, what do they see on our social media feed? Do they see a feed of somebody who has been transformed by the values of the kingdom to which we swear allegiance, namely the kingdom of God? Or do they see somebody who has been shaped by the same values that our culture champions? Do they see us being just like every other person? Are we living in such a way that although the world accuses us of doing wrong, of being bigoted, of being judgmental, of being hateful, of being closed-minded, when they actually look at the words that we say, look at the way we respond when people accuse us of things like that, do they see people who love? Are we honoring God and loving others through our use of social media? That's question number one. Question number two. Does social media lead me to sin? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Social media is one of those things that is morally neutral. And what I mean by that is it's neither good nor bad. It just is. Think of electricity. Think of a car. These are things 
that if used properly and if used in ways that can be constructive, they can be wonderful things. They can give light to our homes. They can get us to where we want to go. But if misused, can be utterly destructive. And I would suggest that in the same way, social media is morally neutral. And yet, when it is put into the hands of sinful, broken people, is it any wonder that it's been used to promote things that are extremely hurtful, things like bullying, hate crimes, dissension and division, things like inappropriate relationships that, start, that get kindled on social media, things like lust. Is it any wonder that those kind of things get stirred up when imperfect, sinful human beings are utilizing it to their own ends. And yet I don't want to just stand up here, guys, and say, oh, it's all them out there, those sinners, because let's remember that the line between good and evil runs through the heart of every single one of us. And so we can't just point at them. We need to look at ourselves and say, in what ways am I allowing this to be true of me? You know, I remember as a kid, my parents are in the audience, so this is going to get awkward. Um, I remember as a kid needing to be intentional about seeking out things that scratched those itches in myself. You know, the, wanting to be around the cool kids who just, too cool for school, were above everybody, looked down on everybody, mocked everybody. They were equal opportunity mockers. Whether you were a student or a teacher, you're getting made fun of by these kids. And I had to choose to move towards them if I wanted to be part of that in crowd. I had to choose to go and find them on the playground because they weren't seeking me out. I had to choose whether to move towards them or towards people who accepted me for who I was. And in the same way, I remember when I started noticing women and, and or girls and, and I started, you know, those feelings of what do I do with these things? And, and, and I, you know, can I just be real for a second here? When I, when I recognized there was something called pornography and I had to be intentional to seek kind of those kind of things out. You find one of those old magazine racks, right, that had like the blacked out windows that you kind of like are looking around. Is anybody looking at me before you go? Or, or, or having to step into a, a Circle K or something and just not being able to make eye contact with anybody. I had to look for those things. I had to be intentional about seeking them out. And yet today, 20 years after I was wrestling through those things. Today, you don't have to go looking for that stuff anymore. Our kids today and us today have this stuff piped into our pockets, into our cell phones 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We don't have to go looking for it. It comes and finds us. My, how our lives have changed. And social media is one of the vehicles that carries these things into our life. Social media gives us streams of people's thoughts. Those cool kids in school, I can be friends with them online. I can interact with them all day long. I can see every thought that they post. 
things that scratch the itch of my lust, those are all over the place. Don't have to go searching for them anymore. It's right there. And sometimes it feels like when I go on my social media feed, it's almost like a bowl full of candy with broken glass mixed in. There's some wonderful things, some really sweet things. Deep, profound thoughts of my friends. Updates of what's going on in their lives. Ideas of how I could better love other people and be praying for them. Those kind of things are all over the place. And then mixed in with that are some things that can be very destructive that could either cause me to be jealous, cause me to be judgmental, cause me to become prideful, or, or scratch those itches of, of lust in me. And we've got to be cautious, guys, when it comes to social media. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5. And by the way, after I've finished reading this, stay here in Matthew 5 because we're going we're gonna to come back to it in a few minutes. In verse 29, Jesus said, If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. Because it would be better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And we go, Jesus... That's hyperbole. You're just, you don't really mean that. Yet what is he saying? What is the heart of what Jesus was saying with that statement from the Sermon on the Mount? If something causes you to sin, then do not make the mistake of continuing to go back again and again thinking that you will change you will be able to overcome it. If something is causing you to sin again and again and again, the best course of action is to walk down another road, to move as far away from it as possible, to protect yourself from it. So for some of us, that means accountability software on our technology. For some of this, this means there are particular social media platforms that we simply need to cut out of our lives. Because it exposes us to stuff and it does things in us that we don't love. For some of us, this, uh, there has been seasons where I have literally considered getting rid of my smartphone, lobotomizing it and going back to like a, an analog phone that all I get is text and phone so that I won't dump so much of my time into it that I'm not present with my family. And for some of us, it looks like on our social media, being discerning about the people that we befriend. Doesn't mean that you have to unfriend people, but there are some people on your social media feeds that continue to feed you broken glass. And perhaps the best response for you in order to protect yourself is to block their posts from coming up on your feed or to unfriend them altogether. Again, I'm not standing up here telling what you need to do. I'm simply saying we must be discerning because does our use of social media cause us to sin? If so, Jesus would say, cut it off, throw it away. Are we having fun yet? Mom, Dad, how are we doing? Glad you're here. Thanks for watching the kids. Question number three. Am I a slave to social media? 
Am I a slave to social media? Can we throw that verse? This is, uh, this is 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 19. It says, People are slaves to whatever has mastered them. We are declared slaves if we are mastered by something. What is a slave? A slave is a person who does his or her master's bidding. When the master says, go here, we go there. When the master says, jump up and do this, we jump up and do that. And you guys are going, okay, Eric, slaves. Yeah, well, I'm not a slave. And yet, when you're having a conversation with somebody, and that phone rings in your pocket. Do you interrupt your conversation with a flesh and blood person sitting in front of you to check your phone and maybe even answer it? When you are having a conversation with somebody and your, your phone buzzes or gives you that little notification that something has gone on in one of your many social media platforms, do you interrupt your conversation, whether it be with somebody in front of you, maybe it's your quiet time with God, Maybe it's whatever you happen to be doing. Do you interrupt that in order to check your social media? Because if the answer is yes, you might be a slave. But it goes beyond that. If your emotions and the way you feel about yourself, your identity is shaped by and influenced by social media, whether you see something and it makes you feel depressed, Or you find yourself checking your social media feeds every five, ten minutes to see if somebody has liked or commented on a post that you've put on, then you might be enslaved to social media. Craig Rochelle, who's a, a, another pastor, said, you know, we live in a world in which people are living for likes when in reality they're longing for love. We are living... For people to say, hey, thumbs up, I agree. Or, wow, that's so profound. All the while, what do we really want? Authentic relationship. We want to be connected. We want to be known. We want to be loved. We want to be accepted. And yet I believe that sometimes social media actually hinders me from being present with the very people I hope to be accepted by. It's almost like cotton candy relationship. It's real sweet, gives us a nice little hit. Oh, this person liked it. But in reality, that doesn't make a, an iota of difference when it comes to me being present with my kids, present with my wife, present with the person right in front of me. Are we enslaved by our social media? Because social media was made for man, not man for social media. Let's keep that in perspective. And if, you, if the answer to that question is yes, then perhaps what you need, I'm not saying you need to, but perhaps what you would benefit from is having a social media detox. Maybe it's turning off your phone. Maybe it's deleting those apps from your phone for the next one to two weeks and just saying, I am going to actually, all of my interaction are going to be in person with people in front of me and I'm going to look them in the eyes, and I'm going to actually listen to what they have to say, not just plan my next thought that I'm going to tell them once they shut up. Question number four. This one's fun. Am I using social media to brag? 
my Jones. I heard that laugh. Am I using social media to brag? I have found, and I'm not sure if you've seen the same thing, but when I go on on social media, it seems as if I am seeing the top 5% of people's lives cold from throughout their week, right? When I go on social media, I see post after post of, we bought a house, or, you know, look at the award my kid got, or, you know, look at this amazing meal that I made. I'm amazing, right? Or look at this amazing meal that I bought, and I just took a picture of it rather than ate it because it's so beautiful, right? Look at this vacation that I'm on. Look at this car that we got. Look at how awesome I am or whatever it happens to be. And when I see that, a couple of things happen. Number one, I get a little jealous because I look at my own life and I go, wow, I'm boring compared to them. Their lives are so much more interesting than mine. I mean, my wife and I, we, we don't love one another 100% of the time like they do. We, we, you know, she doesn't worship the ground I walk on. And my kids aren't perfect like their kids. My kids are crazy just like me. Poor Kathy. And uh, I've never cooked anything like that, let alone eaten anything like that. That looks way more. And, and look at where they get to go. Man, they're lucky. And so I I begin to feel like my life is more mundane in comparison to the top 5% of the life that I am exposed to in theirs. The second thing it does for me is it creates a need to look through the pictures that I've taken over the last week or two and find the best one that I've taken, the one that casts me in the best light. And if there isn't one, take a selfie. Got to get a good one, right? Got to make myself look, oh, that one, no, that's not good. Let's get better lighting. Let's go ahead and tip the chin out, make sure my arm's away from my body so the fat rolls, you know, whatever it happens to be. Got to make ourselves look good. Or perhaps I go looking around the internet for a really profound quote that I can post as if I, you know, was thinking the same thing and this person just happened to say it before me. Or I I, I think back to one of the interactions I had with my kid that was even relatively funny. And then I think about it, how would it have gone better if I was in a sitcom? And then I I kind of rewrite the interaction with my kid. And then I post it as if it really happened, right? So that people will go, wow, that Eric, he's got an amazing life. Wish I were like him too. And I perpetuate the same cycle that I see online. And yet... It feels as if we have become a nation, guys, who is obsessed with singing our own praises. Can we throw the, um, the, the quote from Proverbs 27 up there? No, probably not. Ah, here we go. No, there we go. Here we go. Quickly, before it disappears. No! I'm just going to read it, all right? Let someone else praise you and not your own mouth. An outsider and not your own lips. Guys, this is wisdom from the Proverbs. Do not become your own social media um, promotions department. Right? Your job is not to spin it so that you look good. A question I think we each need to ask ourselves when it comes to our social media interaction and when it comes to a, before you post, ask yourself this. What is my motivation for making this post? Am I doing this because this is edifying to other people? 
encouraging to them? Or am I posting this because this makes me look good? This is especially true when it comes to our acts of service. I I think um, vividly, and this is going to cost me some jewels in my crown, but whatever. I think uh, of times that I've gone to Koheleth on the second Saturday of the month to go and and feed the homeless. Something that Orlando Sanchez, one of the, the ministries that we support, does on a regular basis. And I think of the, the ways that I'd, I'd go there with the intention of serving the least and the lost in our, in our community, giving them some food, helping them you know, hear the gospel message, praying for them if that ends up happening. And yet when I'm there, there is this desire to pull my phone out from time to time and either like try, try to take a picture of me with homeless people getting food behind me as if they're like the backdrop of this amazing thing I'm doing or take a picture of it and then post online, hey, this is where my son and I are hanging out this morning getting to serve homeless people. And the irony is that when we, when I do that, I may have shown up to try to serve other people But in reality, what I'm doing is I'm asking them to serve me by being in the backdrop so that I get the glory. And I suspect that I'm not alone in this room, but I also recognize that this is something that is common to man. So common, in fact, that in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus spoke to that very thing. If you're there, look at verse 1 of Matthew chapter 6. In the same sermon... That he said, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. If your right hand causes it. In the same sermon, just a few paragraphs later, he says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Do not post it online so people can give you thumbs up and say, What an amazing person you are. Truly I tell you that if you do that, you have received your reward in full. If your goal of service is accolades, then congratulations, you got 23 likes. But if your goal is actually loving people and modeling Christ's heart that moved towards those who were hurting, for their sake, not for our own, then when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then, if you make it about the people you're serving and not about yourself, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Why are we posting the things that we're posting? Is it for others' sake? Or is it for our own? Okay, so what is the alternative? Because at this point, I don't know if I can ever post another thing online again. What's the alternative? What if, remember that, going back to Proverbs 27, where we said, do not, you know, sing your own praises, let somebody else do it. What if we took the posture of saying, I want to be somebody who sings the praises of others. I want to build others up. What if when we go and serve, 
We don't talk about us serving. We highlight somebody like an Orlando, somebody who for the last 20 plus years has been giving, pouring his life out to care for the least and the lost in our community. What if we said, here's a guy who gives of himself, and I just am so grateful for men like him, men and women who give of themselves, and we highlight him. What if, instead of singing our praises, we built up our spouse, or we built up our friends, or we built up the people in our life, and we, the world is really good at pointing out our flaws. What if we pointed out things that were admirable about the people around us? Or to take this a step further, what if we actually took Paul, what he said at, at um, you know, kind of face value. Can we throw up 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 31? This is what Paul says. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. If you want to talk about something that's been done, why don't you focus on how God is doing this? I think of my, my friend Krista, whom I went to high school with. This week, as I was going through social media, she posted, I want to give grace, or I want to give my thanks to God that he has helped me to stay sober for 10 years. And she began to declare her hope in him and her gratitude for his loving kindness in her life. Talk about being real, talk about being authentic, and talk about giving God all the glory rather than focusing the glory on us. Now again, can we do that in such a way that it still puts focus back on us? Absolutely. Which is why I can't stand up here. I'm not going to be the social media police going through your thing and saying, hey guys, you're bragging. Hey, it's causing you to sin. That's not my job. I'm giving you these questions so that you and I have filters that we can look at. But the question is, when it comes to our social media, why are we posting it? And is it bragging? I know, that makes me laugh. It's sad too, Alice. <laughs> Baby. Question number five. And this is, I think, one of the biggest ones. Is this the best medium to have this conversation? Is social media the best medium to have the conversation, the best vehicle to have the conversation about, I'll be honest with you, one of the most discouraging aspects of social media is the amount of dissension and disagreement. And when I see brothers and sisters in Christ and even people who are not, you know, Christian, but, but when we disagree with people, the way that it starts spinning out of control and pointing fingers and planting our heels and basically lobbing whatever we can at the other person, trying to dislodge them from their perspective or sometimes just show them how stupid they are. It is ugly the way that disagreements get percolated. And this is especially true of social media because let's be honest, disagreements have happened all the way since the Garden of Eden. People have not seen eye to eye. The question becomes, how do we respond when we disagree? Social media is an interesting medium because while it gives us access to people that we wouldn't probably otherwise have, while it gives us the opportunity to talk to them and share our thoughts with them, when it comes to disagreement, it is not the best vehicle for two reasons in particular. One, it is utterly impersonal. 
When you go to respond to somebody's post that you disagree with, it's just you, your keyboard, and whatever point you're trying to make. You don't see that person in front of you. You're not able to, you're missing a ton of the communication stuff like facial expression, physical cues that indicate kind of how they're feeling and even the posture. All you get is the words that they've written. You don't even, sometimes you can't even tell that they're being sarcastic and you're taking them for face value. And I have found that far too often when people are trying to communicate about an area that they disagree, they're talking right past one another because they don't actually hear what the other person is saying. Sometimes when we see something that incenses us because somebody has said that and we go, oh, I totally disagree, we will straight unfriend them without actually looking to see what they have written. Because we just assume, well, they're in that camp over there and they just agree with everything that camp has said. And when we start talking at one another, we're not listening to one another and we're not talking to one another and we're missing so much of the give and play. You know, like when I'm talking to somebody, I'm talking to Anthony and, and he and I are discussing something. A lot of times when I'm talking, I'm verbally processing. I'm not even 100% convinced of what I'm saying. I'm working it out as I go. And so my posture even indicates that. His posture indicates, this is what I'm thinking. This is what, what do you think? And it's a give and play. When you go on social media, you don't get that same feeling. It almost feels as if what somebody thinks is, is laid in cement, written in cement, because all you get are the words. Well, they must really be strong, think strongly about that because they wrote it. And it's unchanging and unyielding. And so in order to kind of get them to shift off of that, I've got to jackhammer it up with my words, and so we come hard on them as well. You get what I'm saying here? It is Because it's impersonal, we tend to sometimes approach it stronger than we would if we were talking face-to-face with somebody. The second reason social media is a difficult place to have a disagreement is because it's public. Now, there's wonderful aspects of this. People can see our conversations... And sometimes people will want to dive in and give their two cents and discuss and become part of the conversation, but far too often people just want to throw bombs in there. There is an entire group of people called trolls whose entire point and desire for going on social media is to stir up conflict, kick people, kick the beehive, and see everybody kind of start reacting. And when the trolls come out, why are they there? They are there to get a reaction. So the best way of dealing with those trolls, to ignore them. Same thing that my mom and dad taught me when it came to my little brother, when he would just poke, 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 poke until I blew up. The best way to get back to him is to ignore him. I'm teaching Ethan the same thing because he's just like me in that. It's like when Grayson's poke, 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 just ignore him. That's the best way of dealing with somebody who just wants to get you riled up. What? What did, what did you say, Mom? I'm just going to ignore you right now. <laughs> okay, so here's two questions underneath this banner of, is this the best medium? Here are two questions for us to ask ourselves, is my approach correct? Question number one, would I, before you post something, before you respond to somebody, this could even be by email, by the way. I, I, I once reacted to a woman um, that I was working with at a church 
who I interpreted something that she had said to be kind of like she was trying to domineer someone. And so I came back hard, like, I don't need you to step in and try to... And I saw her later that day, like, did I do something wrong? Like, what happened here? And I realized, holy crud, I took a posture in my email that I would have never taken in real life, like in in one-on-one, face-to-face conversation with her. Am I speaking in my post the same way I would if I was face-to-face with this person? If the answer is no, chances are you probably shouldn't post it. Question number two. Am I seeking to win the argument or am I seeking to win the person? I'll tell you which one God cares most about. Turn with me to, you you actually don't have to, to turn here. But I want to take this just one step further. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 18, but I'm just going to paraphrase it in a moment. Let's take this beyond just us disagreeing with somebody. Let's take this to the point where somebody hurts us. We feel like somebody has done something to us that is rude or um, thoughtless, that we have been sinned on by somebody. I cannot tell you the amount of times I've gone on social media and seen somebody post something like this. Can we throw up? There we go. You probably can't read this. I didn't actually post this, but I just made this. Okay, this is me. People can be so thoughtless. Pray for me. I'm having a hard day. Sad face. Okay? Or how about the next one? This this one is more, okay, this this is what I see a lot. Today I learned how painful it can be to be stabbed in the back by a friend. Sigh. Sad face. On the surface, posts like that are cries for help, cries for support from community, right? And that may be literally what the goal is of that post, is to get people to go, man, I'm so sorry, I will actually pray for you right now. But what this is doing is this is making public something that is very, very private. This is... This is taking, if your goal is a reconciliation of relationship with somebody, making it public like this is borderline gossip. Because people may actually pray for us in that, but they will also start asking, well, I wonder who this was. I wonder what happened. What are the circumstances? Who is she talking about? Who is he talking about? What? And it causes people to start getting involved into a conversation that they have no place in. What's the alternative? Jesus, in Matthew chapter 18, talks about how to deal with people when they hurt us, how to deal with people when they sin against us, particularly when those people are of the body of Christ. How do we deal with it? The first step in dealing with this is to go directly to them, one-on-one, and have a conversation. Man, I really felt hurt when this happened. And you have a conversation. It's authentic, it's raw, it's real, and hopefully it's restorative of relationship. Hopefully it's redemptive. Now, Jesus recognized that sometimes it's not. 
And so sometimes he said they will not listen and you'll need to maybe go and grab somebody else who can kind of come in and be a third party mediator or, or, you know, even corroborate some of what you're saying so they can go, yeah, you know, it's not just me. And if they still don't recognize that, then perhaps sometimes you need to get the church involved to speak into that. But the goal of all of that, the heart behind Matthew 18, is restoration of relationship. But when we go to social media and we throw out the things that we're upset about, when we publicly, even if we try to keep it you know, sheltered from actually saying anybody's name, we're not throwing anybody under the bus here, but we kind of are. It, it, it's borderline gossip, and we need to question why am I doing this? So question number five we need to ask ourselves in everything is, am I bragging? Am I basically putting things out there? Or I'm sorry, is this the best medium? That's what this flows out of. Is this the best medium for me to have this conversation, whatever that conversation happens to be? Chances are, more often than not, most of the disagreement conversations probably need to take place offline, face-to-face where you can see facial expressions, where you can see physical body posture, because it, 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 it speaks far more loudly sometimes than words, and that is one of the ways we can protect ourselves from misinterpreting what is being said. Make sense? Okay, last one. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Question number six is this. What sort of fruit... Does my social media feed exhibit? What sort of fruit is being produced? In Galatians 5, it's one that we're all pretty familiar with, Paul kind of compares two types of fruit. The first fruit is the fruit that's produced from a lifestyle of leaning into the flesh. Remember how earlier I was saying, you know, that line between good and evil runs through the heart of all of us? There is a part of us that is fleshly that wants the things that we want. And yet that there's another part of us as Christ followers where the Holy Spirit has been given to us and is beginning that sanctifying process of cleaning us up. And what the Holy Spirit pulls us towards is often very contrary to what the flesh pulls us towards. Which one wins? The one you feed the most, right? So in Galatians chapter 5, Verse 19, Paul gives two lists. The first list describes leaning into the flesh. The second list describes leaning into the spirit. The acts of the flesh or the fruit of leaning into the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, Faction saying we versus they. Envy. You never see that on social media. Drunkenness and orgies and the like. And I warn you as I did before that people who live like that will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit that is produced by leaning into the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. A very, very different list from the first. My question for us today 
is as we look over our social media feed, as we look over the things that we ourselves are posting, the things we ourselves are liking, the things we ourselves are sharing, which of these lists makes up the preponderance of those things? Are we leaning into our flesh? Are we leaning into our spirit? Because again, People are watching us. This is more than just a check for our outward-focused, loving other people. This is also a check for us to go, man, what, are, what am I feeding myself? So there you have six questions. Again, I'm not pointing fingers. If I'm pointing fingers at anybody, it's me. Going, how am I utilizing my social media? Now, I want to be really clear on this. I am not suggesting that we as Christ followers simply wash our hands of social media and say, I'm not going to go there any longer. Because, look at the example of Jesus. He intentionally moved towards the outcasts, the people that the religious elite kind of said, they're the untouchables. He moved towards them. He interacted with them. He had conversations with them. He ate with them and he drank with them. And the Pharisees showed up and said, Dude, you're eating with sinners and tax collectors. The worst of the worst. What are you doing? And Jesus said, Guys, don't you realize I've come here to seek and save the lost? And in order to do so, I need to be where they're at and I need to speak in a way that they can hear. Fast forward to the apostles, guys like Paul, and Peter and others, when they began to go and share the gospel, they most naturally went into those public spheres, the places where people congregated and talked. If it, if it was at your workplace, it would have been around the water cooler. When they would go into a town, they would go around the well. Or in regard, you know, if it's Athens, Paul went into the Areopagus, the place where people gathered together to philosophize all day long. And then they made a point of pulling examples out of real life so they were speaking their audience's language. Today, if we step back, what are those public watering holes, those places where people most naturally congregate? Social media is one of them. Ten years ago, we heard about our first space being our home, our second space being the place that we you know, go to work, our third space being where we hang out. I would say today there's a fourth space. And that is our, spo- our, our, our social media sphere of influence. Because on that, we interact with people that would never step foot in church. We are, interact with people who have very diverse perspectives, some of which align in some ways with our perspectives, others of which have c- very contrary perspectives. And we have a unique opportunity to speak into their lives. The question we need to ask ourselves is what do they see when they see us on social media? Are we honoring God? Are we loving our neighbors? Are we loving our friends through our social media? And are we being a representative of Jesus Christ? I'm going to invite the band to come forward. We're going to go into a time of response. At the end, about the third song, we're actually going to take offering. But here is what, I'm going to invite you to respond in one of two ways, or maybe a few ways this morning. Number one, Maybe you just want to sing these songs as they are the cry of your heart, if so, awesome. But perhaps the best way you can respond this morning is to pull your phone out of your pocket, open up the app 
that you most, you most naturally go to when you're going to social media and begin to scroll through your page and look at the things you have posted over the last two months. And as you're doing so, consider the questions we've looked at this morning. In particular, let's look at the, the sixth question. What is the fruit that is exhibited through your page? And have a conversation with God right now about your use of social media and the way that you are perceived on it. That may be a very clear response for you right now this morning. If it feels wrong for you to pull out your phone and do that right now, I totally get it, then do it after church. Thirdly, I'm going to invite my my elders and their wives to come and kind of organize yourself around the room. If you want prayer, there'll be a couple people up here, there'll be some people in the back to pray. If you want prayer for any reason, maybe it's just to confess, or maybe it's to ask Um, you know, for something else that has nothing to do with what we've been talking about this morning, but God has been talking to you about something, awesome. But let's just respond right now in the best way that we can for a few songs, all right? Father God, I thank you that you invite us not only to be your sons and daughters, but you also then rehabilitate us to be your ambassadors of hope. I pray that you would help us this week to have the courage to look at these questions And allow them to speak into the way that we approach our social media. But maybe they speak into other areas of our life as well. Would you you help us to have the courage to honestly dialogue with you through those lenses of those questions? Because at the end of the day, we want to be faithful ambassadors of hope. We want to reflect your heart and your values in this world that so desperately needs you. We pray these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen.